So, um, as I said, we began our discussion talking about not just being hearers, but being doers. Last week, we said that being a Christian doesn't entail just what we do in church, but it entails what we do in life. We said, uh, according to James chapter 10, that if we're true believers, we are his sheep. And if we're his sheep, then we can't live a life of just hearing. We have to listen. We have to internalize what we're hearing and then walk it out just like Jesus did, following his example. Why? Last week, we talked about why this was important. Why was this important? We looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We said the reason is because most people will come to know Jesus because of your example. Most people will come to know Jesus through you walking out what the scriptures say. Yes, there will be opportunities where, you know, they'll have a Paul moment and Jesus will do something awesome that that won't require your participation. But he sent us. He said, go. It's an action verb. He didn't say sit. He didn't say continually convene. He said, go. So my challenge during this series I issue Uh, last week is for us to move from a place of just hearing to a place of doing. We have to walk it out. We have to walk it out. There is an urgency and an importance and, and, and right now, time is short. We gotta, we gotta do it and we gotta do it now. Um, In this life as a believer, there are a few things that the Lord places heavy importance on uh, uh, in scriptures as as we see. Um, uh, He placed some things that he wanted us to do as disciples. And one of the big things he talked about is my subject for today um, concerning evangelism. He placed a heavy importance on testifying. He placed a heavy importance on being a witness. He he placed a heavy importance on evangelism. Let's define what evangelism is. Evangelism is the visible and verbal declaration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind with the goal of converting the hearer to faith. I'm going to say that again. Evangelism, the visible and verbal declaration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind with the goal of converting the hearer to faith. Whenever we experience something great, right, whenever we, 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 we have something that happens to us that's just awesome, we can't wait to tell somebody about it. We're ready to tell somebody about it. We eat at a restaurant and the food comes and it looks wonderful. The first thing we do is what? We take a picture and we share it. If we're not taking a picture, we're the person looking at the person taking the picture. And like, why are they taking a picture of their food? But we take a picture and we share it and we tag it. And if we have a great experience with a company, what do they ask you to do? 
said, go to Reddit, go to Reddit, go to TripAdvisor, go to Yelp, and leave a review. Tell people about the good experience that you've had. Tell people about it. See, they know something. They know that sharing your experience will invite other people to experience it and do the same. Big business, social media, the food industry, they all understand this. And we as believers, we have to take a hold of this. We have to take a hold of this. We have a responsibility to evangelize. We as believers have to make it a priority to tell people about the goodness of God. We have to share what God is doing in our lives. We have to share it because it is encouragement and to the believers, it's an encouragement to those of us who know, but to those who don't, it invites them to experience it for themselves. It invites them. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 I read it out of the Amplified. It says, but you are a chosen generation, chosen race. You're, you're a royal priesthood. You're a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession. Why? Why were we chosen? Why did he say that we were, were consecrated? Why are we special? So that you may proclaim the excellencies so that you may proclaim the wonderful deeds, the virtues, and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. See, Peter is saying that we have been set apart for this very reason. He says that we are to proclaim, that we are to declare all that God has done. We are to tell people about the night and day difference that Jesus has made in our lives. Goes back to our definition, visible and verbal. That means that people should be able to recognize the night and day difference that Jesus has made in your life. They should be able to see it. They should be able to notice how you move. They, they should be able to notice your countenance. They, they should be able to notice your joy and your faith. And they notice it. And when they ask you how you made it through... And when they ask you, oh, oh, how did you walk through that? When they ask you why you're always happy, when they ask you why you're not worrying, when they ask you, you know, how did you walk through that terrible situation and, and why are you still smiling and, and the world is going crazy and why do you have so much faith? You have an opportunity to then just go off. You have an opportunity right then to share with them. And you say, oh, baby, let me tell you why. Come here. Come here. Let me talk to you. Come here. Come here. You asked the right one today. Because they see the night and day difference that Jesus has made. We are the light. We are a city that has been set on a hill. People who are walking around lost in darkness are searching for the light. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, been on a front porch or you've been out in your backyard. But once you turn the light on and it's all dark, all of the, the bugs in the nation, they just come and they swarm to the lights. Why? Because they were in dark. They see the light. They're drawn towards the light. So it's our responsibility to tell them. 
This is Paul. I want to listen. Let's, let's look at Paul. He, he's the, one of the greatest apostles in the Bible. And in this, in, in Acts, he's talking to the Ephesian elders. And I'm in, I'm in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 24. He says, but I do not consider my life as something of value or dear to me so that I may with joy finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to do what? To testify faithfully of the good news of God's precious undeserved grace, which makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life. Paul said, I, 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 I consider my life as nothing outside of the responsibility that Jesus has called me to. He says, my only desire is to do what he has asked of me, and that's to testify about Jesus. Paul was relentless. And because of his relentless desire to do what Jesus uh, asked him to do, you and I, 2,000 years later, have an opportunity to hear, to know, and to respond to the message of grace. Because of what he did, because of his desire, we have an opportunity to hear about Jesus, to know about Jesus, to, to read what he said to, to take in the promises and to, to, because of his desire for others to know about Jesus. Paul didn't take this responsibility lightly. He wasn't just, just sitting around. He didn't see it as an optional thing to do. He didn't see it as something to do if he got around to it. He says, my very life I don't even consider as dear to me. He said, life or death isn't as important as me spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give all kind of excuses why we don't want to evangelize. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's awkward. What if I get rejected? What if I lose followers? What if I lose friends? What, what about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this and I don't want people to, you know, what if people talk about me and they start treating me differently? Excuses. Paul says, I don't even care about my own life. They could kill me. I'm good. As long as I've done what Jesus has asked me to do. He says, I just want people to know Jesus. In chapter 9, uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 1, he's talking right here at the beginning of this chapter. And he says something that's crazy, just ridiculous. And I know that it was ridiculous, and I know that he knew it was ridiculous because he had to preface. You know, you say something, you got to be like, all right, listen, look, okay? This is going to sound crazy. I'm going to say this, but it's going to sound crazy. So in verse 1, he says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness with me in the Holy Spirit. 
that I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul says, my anguish is so much, my heart breaks. I would prefer, I wish that I could be cut off from Jesus if it meant that my brothers had an opportunity to know Jesus. I love you guys. I really do. But I don't know that I'm at a place to where my mind says that I would separate myself from Jesus, that I wish that I would separate from myself from Jesus for the sake of somebody. I'm like, I ain't been too good to me. I don't know about that. He says, but my heart breaks so much. He says, I'm so torn. He says, I, I, I just want them to know him so bad that I would be willing to separate myself from God if it meant that they could go and know Jesus. Paul had a burden. He had a burden for the people who were around him that didn't know Jesus because of how much Jesus impacted his life and what he walked through and what he saw and, and, and the message of hope had just arrested him and, and just charged him and, and he went out and he went out telling people and he says, I have a burden. I, I, I just have this anguish in my heart because I want them to know so bad. And so my question is this, who do you have a burden for? Who do you have a burden for? Because if Jesus made a night and day difference in your life, if you came to the knowledge of Jesus and it affected your life in such a way that you made a decision that changed eternity for you, then how could you walk around and not want that for those around you? We have to walk this out. This is important. This is of the utmost importance. Because if you have the answer... If you have the cure, if, if, if you have, and you just walk around and just with it in your pocket. It's like having a cure for the greatest disease known to man. And you see people all around you dying. And you just say, mm, what? It's that serious. Because when you walk past people and they don't know Jesus, ultimately you're saying, oh, you're going to die and spend eternity in hell separated from Jesus? Well, but you'll talk about the game, though. 
You'll talk about uh, the, 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 the restaurants, and you'll talk about basketball, and you, you'll talk about your team, and you'll, you'll bring and no problem bringing that up. But Jesus, though, but Jesus, though, he says, this is a responsibility that we have. We can't just be hearers anymore when it comes to this. We have to be doers. See, you may think that you're at that job because you got qualified and you did great in your interviewing skills. And, and no, 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 you're on assignment. You're on assignment. You may think that you're in that neighborhood just because of the good housing prizes and the pool. And you, no, 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 no. You're in that neighborhood because you're on assignment. Students, you think you're in that college and you're on that campus to get an education. Well, well yeah, you're, you're there, definitely there to get an education. But you're there on assignment. We are on assignment. People need to know about the salvation, the hope, the life found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's up to us to do that. See, I'm not looking to, to build a mass number church of people who just come and they sit and they hear a message and they go home and then they live their life during the week and then they come back and they sit and they hear a message and they go. No, God said that we are to go. The purpose of the gathering is to be equipped to go. Imagine an army that comes together and they suit up and they're ready to go out to war and they, they get in the huddle and they're excited and they're ready and they're like, we're going to go to war. And then they go back home. <laughs> and then they come back the next week. Yeah, we're ready to go to war. We're going to kill the enemy. And then they go back home. And they do that every week for 52 weeks straight, year after year. And never get into the field. Jesus says, no, I want you to go get in the field. I want you to get out there and begin to tell people about the goodness of God. And I, I get it, you know, in this generation, this, this is a, 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 we're living in a post-Christian society or an anti-Christian society. This is, I mean, it's not an easy task. You know, uh, this world doesn't believe in moral absolutes right now, and, and there's this Christianity, excuse me, there's a question about Christianity, and people don't believe in God, and, and anything that looks like some kind of moral resolution, they, they, they despise it. And we say, well, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't do good with rejection. You know, I don't, I, I'm not good with rejection, and, and, and I, you know, I don't know what to say, and, 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 and you know, that's, that's, you know, right now, it's, that's a pretty big ask. And so I'm the pastor, so I want to sympathize. I understand that that's a hard ask, but please understand that it was a harder ask for these people in the Bible because they were literally being killed. They were being hunted down and killed for their belief. And you worried about getting rejected. But Jesus knew this. Jesus, this is the one wonderful thing about God. He's like, ah, I got you. Okay. All right, come here. I got you. 
and he understands. He understands our humanity. There are some people who are terrified to speak to other people. Jesus says, don't worry, I got you, I got you. And he knew about our humanity, and he knew about the humanity of the disciples. Because he's like, I'm here, and y'all still can't get it together. Sheesh. And so he says, he, he knew because of their fear, because of their flesh, that they would need some help. He says, I got you. And we look at Acts chapter 1, verse 6. He says, so when they had come together, they asked him repeatedly, Lord, are you at this time going to reestablish your kingdom and restore it to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the time or the epochs of what the father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why, Jesus? Why are you going to send the Holy Spirit? Why will I receive power? Why will I receive ability? And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me. Well, you talking about just the Jews, Jesus? He said, no. In Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And after he said these things, he was caught up. And as they looked on, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to give you power. He's going to give you ability to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Because I get it, you know, I've talked with people and they say, you know, I just, I don't know what to say. I feel, I want to say something. I'm, you know, just pray for me. You know, I don't, they said, no, 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 don't worry about it. It ain't you. That's all you got to do is show up. Just be there. If you would just say, Lord, open my eyes. Show me who it is that you want me to minister to. That's all you got to do. You just got to be there. The Holy Spirit is going to do the work. Holy Spirit, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to give you power and he's going to give you ability. See, this was Jesus' last words. So that shows you the importance, shows you how important this is for the disciples then and us as disciples now to tell people about Jesus. And I love it because there are some of us who say, you know what, I just lack boldness. And those who say, I don't know what to say, or I'm more of an introvert. Jesus says, no, just show up and watch, watch, watch the Holy Spirit. He sent it to be our strength. He sent it to be our ability. He sent it to be everything that our humanity lacked. My father-in-law used to have a stuttering problem. He used to But he said, no, no, no. But he said, when I get in that pulpit, when I need to tell somebody about Jesus, I can talk fine. Why? Because it's not us. See, we think that it's us. We think that it's our knowledge. We think that it's our ability. We think that it's our studies. We think that it's our PhD. And, and, and all. No, he said, no, it ain't got nothing to do with you. 
All I need you to do is be there to be receptive, to be ready and open your mouth and watch what I will do. What do you mean? What, how, how do you know? And it, I'm telling you this, for those of you who've done this, you know. Once you're done, you're like, I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. You're like, I don't know what I said. But because in that moment, it's the Holy Spirit that you've invited to live on the inside of you doing the work of the Spirit. And that's what we are called to do. Being a witness is vital to our walk as believers. And it's second, it has to become second nature for us, just like drinking water and breathing. It has to be second nature. We have to continually be on the lookout for what God is doing. We have to continually be looking and, and seeing and recognizing God moving so that we can have an opportunity to share it with those around us. Some of us, God has done some amazing things, and it could encourage the hearts of other people, and that needs to be shared. Do not be stingy with your Jesus. It's meant to be shared. There's enough to go around. What God has brought you through, or what he's currently bringing you through at this very moment, will be the testimony that will bring someone else through. They say, no mess, no message. Paul says, I, I, can, I can, if, you know, to, to, the, to the Jews, I can be, you know, a Jew. I can, I can be someone who, who applies to the law. To, to, to the Sumerians and to other people, I, I can be that too. He says, no matter where you are, I, I can adjust. I become all things to, to all men so that I might win some. He's saying, whatever it is, that, that thing, he says, I'm going to use that to my glory. Mark chapter 5, verse 18. As he was stepping in the boat, the, gent the Gentile, the man who had been demon-possessed, was begging with him, asking that he might go with him as a disciple. So what has happened here is Mark chapter 5, there's this man, he's, he's in the tombs and he's in the catacombs and, and he's possessed. And he has this, he start, he's cutting himself and he's these chains and he, he keeps getting bound. And they just like, look, son, you have to live out here because you lost it. And, and, and they, they have him out here and they, they bound him and he's possessed. And so Jesus gets off of the boat and, and he, he, he sees Jesus and, and Jesus casts the demons out. And the demons go into the swine and he's a new man. And Jesus is like, all right, y'all, I'm out stepping into the boat. And the demon-possessed man begs him and asks him, let me go with you so that I could be a disciple. Verse 19, Jesus did not let him come, but instead said to him, what? Go home to your family and tell them the great things that the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he obeyed and went away and began to publicly proclaim in the Decapolis, the region of the ten Hellenistic cities, all the great things that Jesus had done for him and all the people were astonished. See, after what Jesus did, this man said, no, I'm coming with you. I want to follow you. I want to be where you at. I, I, want, to, I want to walk under you, and I want, to, I want to stay with you. But Jesus said, no, now it's your turn. You go home. 
You go tell those around you. You go tell your friends. Go tell your family. Go tell your neighbors. Tell whoever what God has done. Verse 20 said, he obeyed and he went. He obeyed and he went away to publicly proclaim in the Decapolis. So he not only went, the scriptures tell us that he went and told everyone in the Decapolis. What is the Decapolis? The Decapolis was this Greco-Roman uh, 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 s- s- ten cities. And I looked it up. The population of those ten cities numbers in the hundreds of thousands. In the hundreds of thousands. This man's story was ugly. His past was ugly, but his encounter with Jesus changed him so drastically and so radically that he went out and ministered to the thousands and told them what Jesus had done in his life. He made a decision to not only be a hearer and experience what Jesus did, but he chose to do as Jesus did and be a visible and verbal declaration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind with the goal of converting the hero to faith. He chose to go out and evangelize. He chose to go out and tell people of the goodness of God. And they said, hey, weren't you the demon-possessed man that used to live in the catacombs and the chains and used to, to cut yourself. And, 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 and he says, yes, that was me. See, people are always going to try to bring up your past. But then you got an opportunity to say, yeah, that was me. But look at me now. And when they ask you, well, why aren't you like how you used to be? And and why don't you do what you used to do? And why don't you look how you used to look? And why don't you go where you used to go? You have an opportunity to tell them about the night and day difference that Jesus Christ made in your life. We have to take this as a responsibility. This isn't a haphazard thing that we could just, eh, we get around to it. People are dying every day. Your neighbor, the person across the street from you, the people that you wave to every day are dying. It's you. Lord, send somebody. Yeah, I sent you. <laughs> He's looking at the angels. What is this, these guys? Send some, I did, I sent you. But Lord, you don't understand, you know, I'm, I'm up in age. Yeah, so. But Lord, I just, how am I going to just show up? But we have to be willing to be obedient. Either we're going to be disciples or not. Either we're going to love Jesus and say, God, I love you. I'm going to do what you're going to say. I'm going to follow you or I'm not. It's no middle ground. He says, this is what I've called you to do. There was this guy in in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, he was addicted to drugs. He strung out and 
He, he got on it in, in high school, and it continued throughout college, and he just started to go downhill. It wrecked his life, cost him his jobs, cost him his friends, cost him his family. But he had a praying mother. His mom would not give up on him. No matter how many times he did something crazy, stole from them and lied, took the car, all of these things, he didn't give up on them. Finally, he goes to this football game and he had overdosed. And as he's walking up the steps of the football game, he collapsed. He collapsed and he begins to convulse and they have to treat him for an overdose and they take him to a hospital they get him together, and he begins to go back home with his mom and dad. And his mom and dad had a come to Jesus meeting, and they said, hey, son, we can't do it anymore. It's too much. It's too much. You are going to kill yourself, and we can't allow you to do that. I said, but, but before, you know, we go any further, I just, I just want to take a second to talk to you. And so they're in the basement of their house, and they begin to tell him about Jesus. They begin to tell him about the goodness of God. They begin to tell him about all that, that God had done, and they begin to share with him how much Jesus loved him. And how Jesus sent his son to die because he loved him that much. So that night, as they're talking, he he begin, his eyes begin to open, as the scriptures say, the scales begin to fall from his eyes. And he accepted Jesus that day in the basement of their house. And as he was in this moment and, and he's accepting Jesus and he, he says the prayer and, and his family is praying and they begin to, to pray, he had a radical encounter in that moment where he felt the presence of God. He felt the presence of God and, and, and his life began to, he, he began to just see his life in a whole new light and, and, and he just could feel the presence of God in his basement that day. And so the next day he went out and he began telling people, Jesus is in my basement. He began telling, like, you got to come to my basement because the presence of God, I felt Jesus in my basement. So people began to come and he, he would go outside. Anybody who would drive up the street, he would stop them and say, hey, Jesus, you got to come. Do you want to meet Jesus in my basement? Come to my house tonight. Come to my house tonight and you're going to meet Jesus in my basement. And so he would go out to, to, to the football games and he would go out and he would tell his friends, guys, you got to come to my house and meet Jesus in my basement. And he would go down in his basement and, and he would invite people to come to his basement and, and he would tell them how he met Jesus and he would tell them about his life and tell them his testimony and invite them in that moment to do the same. And because of the expectation, the same thing kept happening. The presence of God kept showing up and, and people kept coming and they kept coming. And, and in one week, 
that couldn't fill the basement. But he didn't care. He kept inviting them, and, and, and they would be all out the house and outside, and he had speakers outside, and they would, they would come. And then in one month, he, he had to get a place, and, and, and one month later, they couldn't fit in the cafeteria. And he kept inviting them, and, and he would tell them, go out and tell people. Tell them that, that we can meet Jesus, and, and if they want to meet Jesus, they have to come. And in one year, hundreds of thousands of people would come from all over the world to hear the message of how one guy met Jesus in his basement. Hundreds of thousands because he made a night and day difference in his life and he made a decision to go. Say, Pastor Keena, how do you know about this story? Because if you look closely, the, the handsome gentleman standing on the stage is me. And you would see people rush to the altar. He didn't go to seminary school. He didn't even go and wait and say, let me go find somebody and let me go figure this thing out. He says, I, this is what I got. I was addicted to drugs. I met Jesus in my basement. Jesus changed my life. Do you want him to change yours? Today we have to make a decision to walk it out. To not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers. Imagine if, if you had a burden. Imagine if you just went out and began to tell people, hey guys, I was a wreck, but Jesus changed my life and he can change yours. I don't want to hear about that, that religion. And no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a relationship. Oh, you know, this, you're just talking about what the pastor says. No, 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 no. I'm telling you what happened to me. I was a mess. I was broken. I encountered Jesus and it changed my life. Paul says, I, I just wish, I wish above all that they could just know him like I know him. Imagine if each one of us went out I said, you, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know if you're going to make it tomorrow. I don't know if I'll ever see you again. You know, we, we hope that, that, that tomorrow we'll wake up and, and everything will be the same, but I can't tell you how many calls you get in the middle of the night and things have happened and, and this. But imagine if we went home and we said, look, I, I know, I know how you feel. I know you're tired of me, but I just got to tell you. I gotta tell you about Jesus because I value you that much. I care about you that much. What they do with it is on them. God says just for us to be obedient, to show up and to tell them about the night and day difference. 
And just like the, 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 the guy said in the beginning, he said, sometimes our life contradicts what we say. But the gospel of Jesus isn't about your life. It's about his life and what he did so that you can have an opportunity to know him. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the responsibility that you've placed on us to go out and do. To go. To go, therefore, preaching the gospel, making disciples. God, we no longer take that for granted. Today, we make a decision to say, it's all of you, God. God, we're not worried about rejection. We're not worried about what people are going to say or how they're going to view us, God. We, we're just going to tell them the, the truth straight. No chaser. Jesus changed my life, and he can change yours. Give us the boldness, God. You said you sent the Holy Spirit to be our strength, to give us power. And so we call upon that power and that strength, God, to go out and do what you called us to do, to be your witnesses throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Thank you for your word challenging us today. I can't wait, God. Can't wait for us to go out and see the harvest as people begin to flood this church because of the testimonies, because of the, the differences, because of the experience that they had. Thank you for the harvest, God. Thank you for the harvest. In Jesus' name.